You're listening to the Forefront Church Sermon Podcast. Forefront Church is a progressive Christian community more interested in asking good questions than having all the right answers. Thanks for listening. are running the gamut today for a host of different reasons on Mother's Day. So I honor that as well. And um, I would hope and pray that everyone would find peace wherever they land on the emotions spectrum today. Amen. So I just want to shout out my mom, Reverend Lucy G. Rodman. She is a third Lucy. Um, My mom's name is Lucy. My grandmother's name was Lucy, and my great-grandmother's name was Lucy. Um, And um, I come from uh, three generations of women preachers, and I am the, hey! Um, And honestly, um, I am because my mom is, and she taught me to have a voice, um, to speak up, and to really just be the person that I am. So I honor my mom today. She's my 92-year-old rock. So, So here we go. We are continuing our Genderful God series with uh, the topic today, God as She. And my question to you is, could it be that God is she? So I've heard stories from various family and friends, colleagues, neighbors from various races and ethnicities that their parents liked their boys better than their girls and their boys were given various opportunities and privileges that were not necessarily afforded to their girls. Can anyone relate or has anyone heard about this thing happening in families? Okay, not all families, but some families. Um, But then when it came to the boys though, um, there's this interesting thing that happened. Um, The boys had certain restrictions though, right? You couldn't be any type of boy. You were supposed to steer clear of anything that was feminine. You had to be a boy's boy. You had to be uh, a man's man. And you had to like girls. And you had to like women. And if not, these same boys and men would be humiliated, oftentimes berated, shamed, and in some cases, even physically victimized for throwing like a girl, running like a girl, crying or showing emotions like a girl, and they have been shunned for actually having feminine mannerisms or being kind and being cooperative because boys and men are typically given space and permission to take charge, to be strong, and to lead women, uh, but not to exhibit any behavior which characterizes she, girl, woman, feminine. Throughout my entire life, whenever my father would tell people that he had five daughters, their response would typically be met with jokes, pity, and even sympathy, because after all, these individuals believed the narrative that girls would give you a hard time and girls were much harder to raise. Sound familiar, folks? Okay. And when you factor in girls of color, 
around the globe and little black girls as we were, well, black girls are demonized and seen as having attitudes and being less innocent and more adult-like than their white peers. According to Girlhood Interrupted, the erasure of black girls' childhood. And the minimization and dehumanization of my girlhood and womanhood continues to this day. I was invited to a workshop right here in Brooklyn, and as a woman, I wasn't allowed to say that I was a clergy person. Now, the story went down like this. <laughs> Vinita, we're having this conference at my church. I would love for you to be one of the conference speakers. I think you'd be great. Thing is, you can't tell people that you're a preacher, that you're a minister. Well, because my church doesn't ordain women ministers, so women don't lead in my church, but you could come to the conference and just speak, just don't say you're a minister. So yeah, that was not something that I was going to do, but it was interesting because when I spoke to, because y'all know me very well, um, I do lead a women's center after all, come on. Um, so when I did approach um, an elder in ministry, I shared with him the story, and he immediately said, you're not going to do that. And I wasn't going to do it, but there was not really any processing. Like the question, like, well, what do you think about it? Is this something that you would want to do? Why not? You know, that whole processing thing. And I thought it was really interesting as I was preparing the sermon just to think about the silencing of woman, women on one side, right, where I couldn't say that I was a clergy person, and then the other side, this immediate, you will not do that, right, sort of not giving me any agency to even having a conversation about it, right? And there's so many different ways that women are silenced, even when it's sort of under this guise of, I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to support you in this, right? As it related to this week, certainly we were all shocked to learn that women's reproductive rights and freedoms continue to be at risk, primarily impacting poor women of color. Despite the fact that all humankind was made in the image of God, the fact still remains that womanhood femininity, and any non-masculine gender continues to be an affront to societies worldwide. So after sitting with this, I understood that when I first heard God refer to as she and mother in a religious context, I was very confused. I was really uncomfortable. I was not having it. I was like, whoa, churches are going way too far. And I realized that it really didn't fit within my paradigm of who God was because my paradigm was narrow. Without even realizing it, I had internalized the male dominance which had permeated every aspect of my world. Because the patriarchy was so prominent in my life, it had overshadowed the possibility that any reference to God as she could actually be and would have any connection to me, even though I identified as a woman. I didn't even entertain the notion or gravitate to the divine being connected to any of my identities. I couldn't relate because I thought and was taught implicitly and explicitly 
from religious communities that I love and respect that the more appropriate and legitimate reference to God when you sing, when you pray, when you read scripture is only connected to masculinity. Let's be clear, many of us got it easy, right? We haven't had many opportunities to even imagine a non-male and non-white God. Social psychologist, public theologian, author, and activist, Dr. Christina Cleveland said in her book, God is a black woman. She goes on to say, it was excruciatingly difficult for me to begin to see my black female reflection in the holy divine. And in typical white patriarchal fashion, I blamed the victim, myself. Seeing myself in the divine seemed like an unattainable goal. While Dr. Cleveland is black, I believe that all women from indigenous communities, Asian American and Pacific Islander communities, Latinx communities may share similar perspectives. When people become more aware of who God is and who God can be in their lives, regardless of background, they may long for a divine image that reflects and embodies who they actually are. In my case, I welcomed opportunities at a certain point to expand my understanding and begin to dance with the notion that it could be God is she like me. That our pronouns and scripture are more expansive than we realize. That we really do worship a gender-full God. And all of this gender-full God loves all of us. And this gender-full God is bigger than any two pronouns and even our wildest expectations. According to biblical scholar, Dr. Will Gaffney, the scriptures use a wealth of language, feminine and masculine, to name and describe God. Unfortunately, there has been a calculated effort in the translation of the Bible, for if the spirit were translated with the gender she requires grammatically, then the Hebrew scriptures and Old Testament would be full of feminine God language. The scripture offers rich language for God. However, it has been silenced and marginalized while focusing on dominant language for God. It's important for us to realize that the understanding of God as divine feminine is woven throughout scriptures. In Deuteronomy 32, verse 18, God is actually described as the rock who gave us birth. You forgot the God who gave you birth. There is a verb in scripture that is rooted in the way God loves us, that is rooted in the vocabulary for the human womb. This verb, mother love, comes from the same root as a reproductive organ. The only reproductive organ ascribed to God is a womb. In Job 38, 29, and 30, we read, For, from whose womb 
comes the ice. Who gives birth to the frost from the heavens when the waters become hard as stone, when the surface of the deep is frozen? Another instance of mother love and a beautiful image of God is in 1 Peter when God is seen as a nurturing mother. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. I encourage us to consider today that God could indeed be the mother who nourishes us with the gospel from her breasts. Then we can say that this mother love can be tasted and seen. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who trusts in her. We see this feminine nature of God described in various places in scripture. If this is the case, then why don't we hear more references to God as she, woman, mother, or feminine? Why is it so hard to embrace the truth of God within a feminine context? Scripture tells us that we shall know the truth and the truth shall set us free. I believe that when we allow the truth to set us free, she and they will have control over their own bodies, not cisgender, heterosexual, primarily white men. When the truth sets us free, she will be allowed to preach in all spaces. When the truth sets us free, she will get paid just as much as he does for the same work. Amen. We can clap it up for that. When the truth sets us free, she will not be the butt of mothers-in-law jokes and smart remarks about having all girls. When the truth sets us free, she will be fully respected if she decides to be child-free. When the truth sets us free, we will not hold her in contempt when she decides to keep her maiden name. When the truth really sets us free, she will not be killed at alarming rates because she and they decide to affirm their true gender identity. And when the truth really does set us free, we will consider that maybe, just maybe, God can be she too. Feminist Gloria Steinem is attributed with saying, the truth will set you free, but first it will piss you off. <laughs> Why are we so resistant when it comes to how we reference the divine? Dr. Cleveland goes on to say that it is so hard because God, as a white man, has been infiltrated into our culture. And everywhere we turn, there are pictures of God as a white male in churches, in films, everyday conversations, leading us to conclude that God is definitely and exclusively white and male a powerful white man who was for and with 
powerful men. She came to realize that as a black woman in a white male God's world, she had been a fugitive, excuse me, she had been a fugitive, yes, her whole life. If we are to move forward in ushering in the next 500 years of Christianity, can we really continue to cling to a one gender God? How can just one gender truly exemplify all there is to know about the mystery of Christ in our finite minds? Dr. Cleveland began looking for images of God that were more within her likeness. Dr. Cleveland called these images the sacred black feminine, and her search included the black Madonna, a black female image of the divine, the God who is with and for black women. She declares that all living beings are sacred. She is the God who smashes the white patriarchy and empowers us all to join her in her liberating work. She is the God who has a special love for the most marginalized because she too has known marginalization. She is the God who cherishes our humanity and welcomes our fears, vulnerabilities, and imperfections. Like a loving parent responding to a child's cry, she is the God who promises to come to our aid when we call out to her, no questions asked. She is the God in whom we can find hope. We have a wealth of language in our scripture that we look past and that we deny, that we don't even consider because we're nervous about charting the unfamiliar, the unknown, the new. These new beliefs and understandings can be a little scary and make us all feel uncomfortable at times. But the reality is language changes and times change. Hey, in the Northeast, it's the spring. Now, I, I know you're trying to figure out whether or not spring is really here, but we've been with this ring about a month and a half now, and I think this week we're going to have um, a true spring. Um, but, you know, this is a special time. I really love this season, and it's a time of new life, growth, new opportunities, and practices. Recently, some of my closest friends planted a garden in the backyard of their family home. This particular garden is significant. When I was a child, I was in this garden on my hands and knees, pulling up the weeds that the father of the home encouraged us to do. Well, it was one of our chores and we were one of the kids. The reason this garden is significant is because the gardener recently passed away in the person of Mr. Michael O. Griffith. I met Mr. Griffith on the block when I was four years old and we started out as neighbors and then we became friends because I grew up with his daughters and now we're certainly family. And he referred to me as his other daughter. And we were able to um, have his home going a couple of weeks ago. He passed away the Tuesday after uh, Resurrection Sunday on April 19th and we're all still mourning his loss. But I'm looking forward to these particular 
uh, vegetables growing during this particular season when his kids and his grandkids planted all sorts of vegetables in the garden. And Mr. Griffith had a habit of not keeping all the vegetables for himself. He would share them with the neighbors, this new crop. And I think about um, those vegetables and the season as some of the information we're receiving from this genderful God season. It's new. And I hope that you wouldn't just hold it to yourselves. I would hope that you would take all of this new learning and new growth and be able to touch the lives of other people and help them be enlightened and help them heal and help them be encouraged and feel good the way Mr. Griffith did with us and with all of the other neighbors. And this is certainly what the circle of life is all about. Many of us are carrying a lot of different things during this season. There's loss and there's new life. There's new growth. There's new ways of seeing the world. I hope that you will continue to grow with us here at Forefront as we continue to say goodbye to old ways of thinking about God and as we continue to promote inclusivity at all costs and as we continue to promote a just and generous expression of the love of Jesus. We will continue to ask more questions than we actually have answers for. We will not have everything figured out. We will celebrate contemplation and everyone will be able to doubt and wonder and explore in community. Will you further explore this genderful God with us? Will you consider God as she? God is able to stimulate our imagination and do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think. Why? Because God is exceedingly abundant above all that we could ever imagine. God is so genderful that God ultimately transcends gender. And isn't it refreshing for all the she, her, hers in the house and for all those who use gender expansive pronouns who would want a divine image that reflects who they are? How can we reframe something and reimagine something when for so long we've only known one particular thing? I would encourage us to trust God and believe that in God's family, there's neither male nor female, Jew nor Gentile, bond nor free, but we're all equal. We're all one in Christ Jesus. I close with the words of Dr. Gaffney. She goes on to say, language matters. And when we choose to use only domineering and authoritative language and only align those names with one segment of the population, then our neglect, our silence, our exclusion actually indicates then that some folks are not really the image of God, which is why those same folks can't lead in church and can't preach. The language you use about God, she goes on to say, tells me what you think about me. Church, let's let the truth, the whole truth, 
and nothing but the truth live out in our lives, not just today, but every day. And the people of God said, amen, amen. So for those of us who are joining us uh, virtually, and we would encourage those in the house as well, if you have Facebook or YouTube pulled up, we would encourage you to now drop your prayer requests, your praise reports, your celebration into the chat at this time. Let us pray. Dear God, we thank you for this opportunity to consider God as she. We thank you for the mother love. We thank you for the nurturing spirit. We thank you for the divine feminine that has been here with us all along. We pray that you would continue to allow our minds to be open and enlightened to all that you are so that we can share this with the world to continue to encourage and to strengthen those who need a touch from you. It's in your name that we pray. Thanks for listening to the Forefront Sermon Podcast. To learn more about Forefront and how we're ushering in the next 500 years of Christianity, visit ForefrontChurch.com.